0: Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. The 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference, or COP27, will happen on this Sunday in Sham El sheik Egypt, and will go right through to the Waru or Firinga Arangi the 18th of November. There's going to be a lot for diplomats to discuss at COP27, between the IPCC warnings that humanity will hit 2.5 degrees of warming by 2100 and the massive climate-related disasters like Hurricane Ian, which have plagued 2022. Another agenda item for government representatives to talk about is transformative climate solutions, and among them, green hydrogen. Green hydrogen is simply hydrogen which was produced in a decarbonized way, and has been growing massively in traction. Saudi Arabia hopes to grow a green hydrogen sector and become the world's biggest green hydrogen exporter, while Egypt is working on creating a 100-megawatt project which utilises green hydrogen. And here in Aotearoa, Meridian Energy is is calling green hydrogen the energy of the future. We've got co-leader of the German New Zealand Green Hydrogen Networking Alliance, Professor Sally Brooker, here to discuss the state of green hydrogen investment and the energy sources role at COP twenty seven. Kyoto Sally, how's it going?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you for inviting me on. No worries. Uh, the,
0: the The agenda at this year's conference seems to be pretty stacked. Uh, you know, given that there was, the, there was the new UN report, which warned that the climate is set to hit a temperature increase of two point five degrees by twenty one hundred. Uh, how much attention will green hydrogen be getting at COP twenty
1: uh, seven? Well, first of all, I completely agree that uh, there are real problems. We're not. Um, acting fast enough to address um, climate change, in other words um, reduce our emissions so that'll there will be should be a real sense of urgency at COP27 that then we need to get on with doing this Now, in terms of green hydrogen yes, I expect it to be part of uh, those discussions, um, but the other thing that will be a major part of it is greater renewable electricity generation um, The International Energy Agency produces a range of reports on an annual basis, including one called the Global Hydrogen Review and it predicts that by 2050, if the if the world wants to be um, in a net zero um, uh, scenario for for energy consumption, that we're going to reduce our um, uh, fossil fuels from about currently um, about 66 two thirds percent, uh, two thirds of the energy down to about. by 2050 and the big player in replacing those fossil fuels will be electricity which will rise from something around 20% up to about 50% of that total energy mix. Now along with that hydrogen is going to become um, a significant player at about up to about 10% of that final energy mix at 2050 as part of all this decarbonising of our energy sector.
0: Right. Uh, Currently, 95% of hydrogen is produced with fossil fuels. Uh, Correct. Given this is the case, how do you characterize the state of green hydrogen investment globally, and what are some of the challenges that it faces before it can become a widely available and uh, truly sustainable energy source?
1: Yeah, yeah, good question. So um, we have to remember that currently hydrogen is mostly used in industry processes, so it's a chemical commodity. Um, it's used in refining of fuels, um, it's used to make ammonia, make methanol, um, all these important feedstocks So currently we already make a lot of hydrogen, but as you say it's brown or grey it's, it's And of course all hydrogen actually is a colourless gas uh, But we call it brown or grey because it's come from fossil fuels with carbon emissions associated with its production so the big thing that has to change is that we shift um, to using either blue hydrogen, which is we use the same sort of plant as you're currently using, but you capture those carbon emissions, or most of them, and try and sequester those into, for example, underground caverns. That would be so-called blue hydrogen, and the debate is still raging about how effective that really will be. Um, but the gold standard will be to produce green hydrogen, which is made from water using renewable electricity, so there are no carbon emissions associated with its production. Again, the International Energy Agency's Global Hydrogen Review suggests that by 2050, if we're going to be net zero emissions across the globe, that um, we'll be um, producing uh, over the majority of our, our hydrogen will be green, and the next biggest chunk will be that blue hydrogen with very little produced by fossil fuels. Right. So what has to happen? We have to put in a lot of electrolysers to make green hydrogen from water and renewable electricity, and that is growing exponentially across the globe. Driven in part, actually, right now through things like the Ukraine crisis and a realisation that being energy independent could be quite a handy thing, as well as climate change issues.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, speaking of um, like <clears throat> green hydrogen uh, initiatives, in a phone call we held uh, earlier, you mentioned that Germany had been working on a climate financing strategy with green hydrogen that would solve the uh, the so-called chicken and egg problem. Would you be able to yes. talk a bit more about that in depth?
1: Yeah, so one of the things if you want to use, um, hydrogen more as an energy vector, um, which, as I say, um, the International Energy Agency suggests up to 10% of our future energy will be hydrogen. It has niches where it fits, other niches where it doesn't. Um, you should directly electrify things if you can. That's always choice number one. But hydrogen will definitely have a role. Um, one of the challenges though is that until you have, um, for example, hydrogen fuel cell trucks, um, or other vehicles that are going to use the hydrogen, it's it's ambitious to to, to say oh, I'm going to build a hydrogen production facility and, and set up a refuelling station so it's, that's the chicken and egg problem until you have a hydrogen refuelling uh, station people aren't going to want to have heavy vehicles that run on hydrogen and until people have heavy vehicles that run on hydrogen you don't want to build your fuel station so that's the chicken and egg problem. What Germany's done um, amongst many other initiatives in the area of green hydrogen is to set up a, um, an independent body called H2 Global and They're going to invest up to €900 million in setting up 10-year contracts to buy in hydrogen and its derivatives. Actually, first of all, it'll probably be hydrogen, green hydrogen in the form of methanol, um, ammonia and uh, synfuel or SAF for aviation. Um, And they'll set up a 10-year contract for, for that supply, which then means the people who are going to produce it have certainty for that 10 years and can go ahead and build their plant and get on with making it. And and the reason that there's 900 million euros in the pot there is um, also because once they've bought that hydrogen, they will also within the EU to the highest bidder. And initially, of course, that could be at a loss um, until the um, whole chicken and egg thing starts to really get going, and then it will be self-sustaining. So the German government is prepared to make a bit of a loss initially to get on with people producing it.
0: Speaking of you know more state-led uh, investments and, and whatnot, there are a few green hydrogen projects here in Aotearoa. Uh, some of them are in the North Island, some of them are in the South Island. Uh, they include you know the Air New Zealand and Airbus Research Project, a geothermal hydrogen pilot project between the Tuaropaki Trust and the Obayashi Corporation from Japan, uh, the GNS Science Endeavor Fund Hydrogen Research Programme. Um, there's a variety of them really uh, <clears throat> has green hydrogen been showing more, much more promise as an alternative fuel source through these initiatives and others uh, going across Aotearoa?
1: Um, absolutely and you've mentioned only the tip of the iceberg there, um, I'm involved in, in some of those um, initiatives actually, but there are many many others as well so for example there's a hydrogen powered bus um, uh, running in Auckland um, there's uh, the dual fuel initiative by HW Richardson who are based in Invercargill, and they're going to run diesel hydrogen hybrid trucks. They have 1400 trucks New Zealand wide and they also run allied petroleum fuel stations so that's a very exciting initiative by the middle of next year they'll have those trucks and the first of their fuel stations operational Um, On the fuel station front, there's also Haringa Energy, who are based in Taranaki. They're putting their first fuel stations in on State Highway 1 in the North Island. So there is a huge number of of activities in in hydrogen in New Zealand. Um, I should also mention Christchurch Airport, who are um, being very proactive in this area, and Fabrum, who are based in Christchurch. They are really clever clever can-do people who um, can produce liquid hydrogen um, efficiently. So there are a whole lot of players in New Zealand um, and there's a right across the, the, the country there's a lot happening. One of the biggest things though is Southern Green Hydrogen, which is Meridian and Contact Energy working together. They're looking at hundreds of megawatts of hydrogen production in the deep south. Um, and so that too is another massive initiative. So there really is a lot going on and if you're interested in what's happening in New Zealand, the best place to look is the New Zealand Hydrogen Council's website, which you'll find easily with a Google